to her, I guess. Thank you, Dylan. Um, yeah, my, my heart is really to not just tell stories or share some motivational thingies. My heart's really um, that I will speak the things that Jesus wants to speak tonight and that your hearts will hear. Like as, as we said so many times over this weekend, that we will be sheep who will recognize the shepherd's voice, but, but not just recognize, but actually follow him, obey him. So are you ready for that? Are you ready to hear what the Lord wants to say, but also to then respond to him and obey him? Or I don't think it's a silly question. Is there anyone that preferred to just look into the word and then walk away changed? I don't think that's why you came here tonight. You could have gone for a walk on the beach instead, you know. So shall we just pray for that? Like each of you just... Just bring your heart before the Lord, and no matter where you're at, just pray with me. It's like, Jesus, please give me a heart that's teachable and soft and tender, Lord. I want to hear what your spirit wants to say, and I want to adjust. I, I want to experience the power of your word, and your word transform us and change us. Change the way we think and change the way we live. So here we are, God. May we reclaim your hands, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we don't want to be those who honor you with our lips and whose hearts are far from you, God. We don't want to be those whose spirituality is impressive to man, but not at all delightful to you, God. So here we are, Lord. Work in us, Lord Jesus. Work in us, Lord Jesus. I, I have such a sense that the Lord's heart is burning with a passion for the nations of the world. And he does want to bring people into his church. He is looking for lost sheep. He wants to bring them in. But the workers are few. And I, I, I don't know how it's happened, but I think... Over the years, thank you so much, Chris. Over the years, this passivity has crept into the church often, where it's become possible to really think of yourself as a, as a Bible-believing believer, but just to warm a seat. And then it's easy when you're one of those who warm a plastic seat to start thinking that those who warm the pews are the religious ones, you know, but you don't have to be in a church with, with bells and with all these things and with rituals to actually have become a believer in name, but no longer in action. It's a, it's a, it's a scary thought, and yet it almost feels like that's our default to like go find our chair and sit down. And, and I want to ask you this morning, do you want to be used by the Lord? Do you want to be used by the Lord? Who wants to be used by the Lord? There's still hands that's not up. Are you, are you, you, maybe you want to be used by the Lord too. <laughs> if you want to be used by the Lord, if you want God to work through you, then we have to let him shape us and work in us. So I'm going to speak today about the work of the potter's hands. So I'm going to 
talk to you a little bit of, about clay processes. And some of you, especially Jeff, I think, have heard this message, hey, the clay. Maybe it's because you didn't listen the first time that the Lord had you give me the same word again. <laughs> yeah, so, so we before I've preached this and I felt it was like an endurance thing. This time I really feel the Lord wants to stir a good and healthy ambition in our hearts again to want to be used by the Lord, to want to do great things for God. Because I think sometimes we can look at the 80, 90-year-old, you know, the Timothy uh, training guys and, or some of the Bible students and we go, oh, they are so full of themselves and arrogant. They all think they're going to change the world, you know. But meantime, maybe some of us have lost that good ambition of doing great exploits with our God. And I, I believe in this age of comfort and convenience and doing what we feel like doing, that tonight the Lord wants to start to find our hearts again. So that we say, Lord, it's worth losing our lives for you. It's worth giving up everything that is comfortable and convenient for us so that you can use us as vessels for special use. So I'm reminded of my ceramic days. I, I'm doing it again as a hobby, but I used to do it as one of my subjects, and I was really, really bad at it. A technique on MPE, and um, and I, I I remember anything. I'm still a bit like that, a little bit. I've grown up a bit, but anything that takes a lot of effort and it's a bit boring is not really my thing. I'd rather cook a meal for all of you than wash the dishes, like really. So so the the, um, the one process from the start with ceramics that I did not like was the wedging process. So for those of you that's worked with clay, it's when the clay, you take a ball of clay and you start working it, you use your thumbs, and ceramicists always have these nice defined like arms from wedging, and it's hard work, and you throw it against the table, and then you work it again, and the aim is to get rid of little air bubbles, but it's also to get a consistency just in the moisture level of the clay. So it's working the clay to get it ready to then make something out of it. So it's, it's referred to as a laborious process, and laborious means excessive effort, dullness, and lack of spontaneity. Quite the opposite from the rest of the creative process. So the way they find clay is they dig it out of the riverbed, and they clean out the obvious stuff, the sticks and the stones and that, and then the wedging process um, starts, starts. And it's a calculated skill, and it's, a, it's something you can't skip. So I, I did not do it well and try to skip it. And as a result, I saw the consequence of not doing the wedging process um, uh, 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 properly. And the, what happens is those little bubbles, the air pressure builds up when that vessel, so you made a vessel out of it, it goes into an oven, it's like 1,200 degrees Celsius for a medium oven, the heat goes, builds up, the pressure builds up, and at, at worst, that thing explodes. And at worst, sir, <laughs> it takes out all the stuff around it. So if it's not very deep in the clay, it will actually just make a little nick on the outside. But if it's deep in the clay, if it wasn't, especially if it wasn't even visible, then it really brings great destruction. And I, I did one time, they opened the oven, 
my vessel was standing somewhere in the middle and there was nothing left of it and everyone's around me were seriously damaged. And there's a very hectic lesson to be learned from this. Like, God reminded me of this and I'm like, sure, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me about your church? And I do feel that in increasing measure, the church have pushed God's hands away when he's wanted to do the laborious stuff, the, the workings, the pressure, the, everything inside of us and our flesh wants to run. We want that which is easy and that which is not painful and that which is rewarding. And yet there's a work he wants to do in us. And especially as the days grow more evil, to work even the little things out of us so that we can become vessels for his glory. So Isaiah 64 verse 8 for me is the best, is the best news ever. Is that, but now, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. And we are all the work of your hands. The good news is that that person that's doing that incredibly painful work on us, the one who is sticking his fingers into us, working us, finding those inconsistencies, working them out, throwing us against that table, when all we want is to just look good. And he's like, you're just a ball of clay. I'm going to work you because I have plans for you. And this potter is our father. He is our father. And I think it's so important, you know, also through the years in the church, often in church we've lacked a doctrine of suffering you know, like every time a believer suffers, we, like people get like Job's friends and go, what have you done wrong? You know, <laughs> or what, has he sinned? You know, why is he not getting healed? And this, this, these doctrines that swept through the church that hasn't been helpful because some of the most godly people I know are still in great suffering. We have to understand that when suffering comes, yes, sometimes it's the Father's love that disciplines us when we're in sin, but the other times, it's, just, it's his work because his heart is for us to be useful vessels. His heart is to reach a world through us. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is, that is also good, work for, good news for me. Have you ever felt that thing of, Oh, it's such hard work to try and be a goody goody Christian, you know. And I want to tell you the good news is that we're not our own workmanship. We are his workmanship. Our biggest um our biggest call is not to try and change outwardly, but to give ourselves to the one who knows how to shape us and work us. Timothy 2 verse 20, a large house contains not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, but others for ordinary use. And it speaks about, in the verse before that, about worldliness and saying, if we cleanse from worldliness, we can be vessels for special use. And I, I'm super excited about that meeting that Bill mentioned, you know, that open for all leadership meeting. Because I do believe that God wants to put his hands on you guys. He wants to put his hands on all of you. But those who will actually say, yeah, my Lord, 
I want to be used by you and do what you need to do in me to make me into a vessel for special use. He will do it. He will do it. I can testify to that because I'm part of a small group of people that planted a church that now is this a big church. And I'm very aware that none of us were special in any way, except that all of us gave ourselves to the Lord to be used and allowed him to work things out of us, even when it got really painful, even when it felt like, oh no, I could actually choose a more comfortable life than this, a much less costly life than this. So now, for you, I also want to say that as much as we love the spiritual idea of our father being the one that have us in his hands. You know, like all of you, if I have to ask you, do you love God? You'll say, yes. If, you, if I say, do you respect God? Do you honor God? Are you submitting to God? I think as believers, all of us, our first instinct would be to say, yes, yes, yes. But when it comes to the living out of these things in the reality of church relationship, it's not that easy. Because who knows that God doesn't often come from heaven with his hand and then work you. <laughs> he takes your wife's imperfections and that becomes the very pressure that brings out things in you that you didn't know were in you until you married her and you were so perfect before you married her. Now she's messing up and now she's bringing that out in you. Huh? Does that sound familiar? I'm, I'm single, so I, 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 I've only watched these things happen. So I, I've, I still feel I'm quite a lot like Jesus. <laughs> Although today my dog, I said, okay, now no, I understand. I understand. My dog was just putting up a, you know, that because he wasn't getting his own way. And I thought, no, nah, I don't feel like Jesus anymore. I'm, like something is popping here. But, um, but so God uses pressure, but it often comes through people. It often comes through people, and, um, and most likely, it also comes through God's leaders, because he hasn't meant for us to stay where we are. This, um, yesterday morning, I said, I, I hear the Lord saying to this congregation, grow up. If he wants to add newborn babies, the three-year-old brothers have to stop acting like toddlers and actually be the big brother that can, can take the, bring the diaper bag, you know. And um, if you have been comfortable being, you know, like a young man in the house, like once your wife starts having babies, you have to be a dad. You can't be just a lad anymore. And it's the same in the church of God. God is going to add people. And there's a call to all of us, and I believe it's a specific word to this congregation, that they have to step up so that God can add. And for that those of you saying yes to the Lord using you, say yes to the Lord working in you, but also say yes to the Lord using the people around you and using the people over you. Because to say I trust God is one thing. To grow into the kind of relationship with your leaders, to say I can entrust myself to those that God has entrusted me to. I can entrust I can be vulnerable with them. I can say to them, could you help me here? Because I, I, I need, I know, that under pressure, this comes out. And I need that to happen because I don't want to explode and hurt others. I don't want to crack when the, heat, when the heat is up. So those little bubbles, shall we give them some specific names? Because 
like often, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's almost like my ears just want to hear the ones that I've dealt with, not the others. So, like I said, on the surface, little damage. So, if there's sin lurking in your heart, if there's things you're struggling with in your heart, if there's sinful habits, bring it into the light. Guys, bring it into the light. Um, bring it before the trusted leaders in this congregation and say, I want to be a special use, um, of special use for Jesus. You know, we all have stories to tell. There's, there's no sin that you won't find in that our leadership teams have probably overcome. You know, if you think of our eldership team, how many elders do we have? Like 80 or something. And they, some of them, like one of my friends, Rudolph, was a crack addict before he became a believer. Um, Andrew himself was into new age stuff and fully deceived. You know, so everyone has these stories. We're not going to be shocked when you bring even the bitterness of your heart and you just say, I want to repent because these things are in my heart. We want to help you because God has helped us. God has worked and he's still working in us. It's not like leaders is trying to say, we've arrived and you guys now, we know all this stuff. No, we all have such respect for all the believers that's still growing and becoming more like Jesus every year. Not just growing in knowledge, but growing in character, growing in gentleness, growing in kindness, growing in love, growing in purity. So bring it to the surface. My question is, does godly, encouraging people know what goes on in your heart, in your head? And are you open for them to actually correct you? Because it's one thing just to bring stuff out, but are you willing for them to correct you? And what I've seen is when God does a little thing, it has great repercussions. But unfortunately, it's the same with the enemy. If we allow little things in our hearts, it can bring great destruction. So don't, don't let something simmer. Yesterday we also were speaking about the reason why we do things. I don't know if you've ever had that burning thing of unforgiveness in your heart. And then you're thinking, oh, I just need to be angry a little while longer, you know. And, but we're not called to forgive as it's possible with us. Or we're not called to forgive once a person has said sorry, or once a person has had their due punishment, we are called to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so the standard is impossible, but that's why it's His work and we are His workmanship. How we build our lives doesn't matter until the storm comes. You know, I often think about that, the house built on the sand. You know, as kids, we learned that song in, in Sunday school, the house built on the sand, the house built on the rock. And um, I'm sure both houses were really pretty, and they looked really solid. The only the difference was when the storm came. And I want to ask you again this morning, are you building your house on the rock? Are you building your house on Jesus? Are you quick to repent? Are you teachable? Are you shapeable by the potter's hand? Because it's not if the storm comes, it's when the storm comes. Like things are becoming more and more stormy <laughs> in this world. You don't have to be prophetic to see that. And when the storm comes, have you built so well while you have access to publicly gathered together as believers, while we have access to pop in by our pastors, we don't have to go visit them in jail, you know, like if I think in, in, um, in China, one time I was on a trip in China, 
And um, there was a guy, Joseph, that led a few of the underground churches. So I was teasing the interpreter girl, and I was like, oh, he's handsome, you know, and he's leading all these pastors, and he's leading all these churches. And she said, no, none of us will marry a pastor. And I said, what? Like, in the West, it's like youth pastor, you know, like, and like all the girls are in love with the youth pastor and the assistant pastor, and, you know, like it's a man in leadership, so, like, attractive, you know. She said, no, it's um, if you marry a pastor, within a few years, you'll be alone starving with your children. Your husband will be in prison. So most of your married life, your husband will be in prison because that's what happens to pastors. They get imprisoned on a regular basis. And I just thought, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready. I want to build my life in a way that when the storm comes, when the storm comes, I can just, I'm, I'm on the rock. So let's make use Let's not miss the season we're in, the season of freedom to meet. The se- I mean, it wasn't covered, actually, excellent picture for us, how quickly that can just get ripped out underneath neath us. You know, I was for three weeks, I was in my house on my own. And in a way, I chose it. I could have moved in with friends. I really wanted to have a special time with the Lord. But, you know, after two weeks, you can go lack em. Lackany, lackany, eh? You start making videos. <laughs> so I'm taking selfies and so on. So, so, yeah, let's build in a way that we make use of everything, that we make use of, in this congregation, if you're a visitor, we at church should hope to build in a way where we discipling every single person, where we're living in community. Come, draw near, make use of that. So, if you put a vessel, if the, work's been cl- the clay has been worked properly, and the vessel has been formed, and you put that vessel through the fire, the fire actually strengthens it. So you get the bisque fire, which is the first fire, and then after that, it's still, it's way better than just the dry clay, but it's way stronger than before it was baked the first time. And then when it goes through the fire again, it's usually with glazes, so there's special processes depending on what the vessel is going to be used for, and it goes through the oven again, and then it's really hard. Like you can make, I don't know if you guys have seen those ceramics knives, you can make ceramic knives that's cutting, that's very strong and very sharp. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 4, the Lord actually gave me the scriptures especially for your congregation. I felt it is something this afternoon that he just pressed on my heart in terms of also if we speak about you know, the, the different little bubbles. Two Timothy three verse from about one to five. Um, but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Understatement <laughs> like hello. Um, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Okay, that's so not us, eh? Because we good Christian girls and boys, that's not us. You know, what is really hard is when you read the rest and you start realizing, no, 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 it's a description of the church in the last days. So this is not a description of unbelievers. Like, this, God's never expected sinners not to, be, not to sin. He's never expected unbelievers to be full of goodness. This is... The church in the last days. And what I have realized is the more of that that's going on, the more easy it is to tolerate it in my own heart. If I have a bunch of friends that easily 
speak disrespectfully of leaders or gossip about people in church or if I spend enough time with a group like that, then the chances that they'll ever even be convicted. I can stand here and worship, worshiping, but because I surround myself with that certain worldliness, the chances that they'll ever be convicted of it is very small. But if I surround myself with people that speak life and speak uh, respectfully and, and, and speak encouragement, suddenly if I drop like a fraught word, then it just really like clangs, you know, in, in, in the conversation. And also, if those are really good friends to me, they will actually say to me, hey, Melanes, you realize you've been moaning a lot, eh? And praise the Lord, I have friends like that that can say that to me. And, and if we live our lives in a way we, we, we don't just think I would know if I was a lover of self. If we surround ourselves by people who are lovers of God and say to them, please point out to me when you start seeing I'm getting arrogant. Or please point out to me um, when you hear me speaking with the edge of my voice to my parents. Please tell me because I want to be a vessel for special use. When the fire comes, I don't want to explode and hurt others. When the storm comes, I want to stand on the rock. When the troubled times come, when times of great difficulty come, I want to be solid in Jesus. So let's read it again, but this time not thinking about everyone else or the world, but thinking about ourselves. So lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, you know, like I, I just, I realize a lot of people, it's very in right now to, to accuse people of bullying. But I don't see, I don't hear a lot of bullies repenting. And you know, it was so beautiful for me. I was, I was at a youth camp the other day and I had a little group of people that could repent of stuff. And the one girl repented and she said, I was bullying these younger kids at school. And I thought, how beautiful to bring something so ugly out in the, God's, in the Lord's presence repentfully. It's so beautiful. It's like the, the love for that girl just surged out of all of us. We just wanted to bless her. So it's easy to spot abuse, but what is coming out of your mouth? Disobedient to parents. Yesterday I spoke a lot about the order in the household of God and how the prophetic is so beautiful under that, you know. I'm quite sure that that is not just about younger children and parents, that that is about also the household of God, where he's given us fathers in the house, where he's given us um, leaders. And disobedience to leaders is not cool. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but all the, I love action movies. In most of the action movie, the hero at some point will say, I don't care what the admirals say. We're going to fly. We're going to do this. And then he's the hero and the, the admiral ends up apologizing to him, you know. Like there's such a pattern of the cool guys like in rebellion against authority, you know. And the, the oak in authority is just stupid, you know. And I want to say that part of that is the world trying to train us. Because Satan knows that if we're not under authority, we are sitting ducks for his destruction. We are sitting ducks for his destruction. Youth, surround yourself with friends who won't think it's cool if you backchat your mom. Will say, actually, I think you need to apologize to your mom. Imagine having friends like that. Huh? It would be wonderfully annoying. 
And it will make you either become more like Jesus, it will make you either become more like Jesus or find other friends. And then just don't be a vessel for special use. If you don't want to serve Jesus, then why would you go through that pain? But if you want to serve Jesus, if you want to serve Jesus with us, then let the Father's hand, the potter's hand work you and let him use those around you and put yourself in a place where there's people around you that will call you out. You know how often it happens in a church, hey, that if there's grumbling happening or if there's um, something ungodly happening in a church, it's like people find one another. And there's a reason for that because it's very hard to sit on your own. It's much easier in, to run in groups. That's why I'm, you know, I'm not going to be, that's going to be funny to some of you and just silly to others. But anyway, so, so, um, so it, is, it is so important how we place ourselves in a place of maybe, like a friend of mine went with, me, went with me to supper to some friends the other night, and when we drove away, she said, I realize I, I don't love the church as much as you guys do. And, uh, and I said, like, why do you think is that? Would you, would you like that? Would you like to be like that? And she said, yeah, and we had a good chat. But it was so interesting, because I wouldn't have spotted her as someone that doesn't love the church as much as I did. But being with people that's fully devoted and listening to, like, an American family that's given up everything to come to South Africa to learn from us as just genes so that they could plant healthy churches in America. And she was just listening at the cost that these guys have paid to serve Jesus, and something in her went, I'm not there. So are you willing to, to hang out with people that actually, like, honestly, MC Sally, you guys know MC with the one kidney? Like, if I've spent time with her, I feel like I'm not even saved. I walk out of there going, oh, Jesus, I'm so glad my salvation had been on you, because I, she is such a godly woman. She is filled with fire and faith. Like in heaven, we're going to look for MC, and then we're going to no, know there's MC. She's like 10 feet tall. And, and I, I have to say that there's something about spending time with people like that that's not always comfortable. Because I can spend time with someone that's like lukewarm, and then I feel like I'm like hero of the faith, you know. But it's so good to surround ourselves with people whose example and whose words will fire us onto more. Um, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, <laughs> you know, is comedy. So, so this grumbling, ungrateful thing, you know, like I was just, you know, I was really determined. You know, we've just spent three years moaning about Corona. Can we please not start moaning about ESCOM? So, so um, I like, you know, we don't even mention it. Like we're not even going to talk about it. And the other day someone said to me, yeah, my, um, we grew up in Zim. And at one point, we would get up at midnight because we had three hours of electricity. And then we would vacuum and do washing and stuff between 12 and 3 in the morning. And I'm like, guys, it doesn't help to moan. Things are probably not going to get better. We can change into being a people of gratitude, a people who doesn't grumble, um, a, a people that just looks at things from a very different angle to the world. We can be that if we allow God to shape us into that. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Oh, this is painful. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that's like as practical as 
lovers of the duvet instead of meeting together with the believers, or lovers of new upgrade on my phone instead of that blooming expensive drive to the conference. You hear what I'm saying? I wish these things were just these profound spiritual concepts that floated around us, but it's very practical choices. Um, it's already a few years back, and I'm really trying to stick to this, but I really felt, you know that scripture say, um, we are treasures, or there are hearts will be. So in other words, it doesn't say your heart will be, no, where, huh? where your treasures are, your heart will be. It doesn't say your heart will be where your treasure is. It says your, huh? Now I'm so confused. So in, my point is, I, I decided that I'm going to put my treasure where I want my heart. And um, if I decided on whether it was spending time, spending money, spending effort, or going in a certain direction, I, my question was, is that where I want my treasure, is that where I want my heart to be? Because it's incredible how quickly our hearts can run. Huh? If we want hearts after Jesus and hearts to see his kingdom come and hearts to serve him, then we've got to put our treasure there. And our treasures, our time, our resources, everything, our efforts, our attention. Oh my goodness, what a fight is on for our attention. Yo, I don't even want to go there. I'm like so easily distractible. And if I don't set my mind on things above, if I don't fix my gaze on Jesus, before you know it, I am super kept busy with something else, something else. And I am someone that loves variety in my life. So I've got like three different hobbies and whatever. And the whole time I have to go, treasure, Jesus and his kingdom, his church, where am I going to put my time? Where am I? So if I rest now, I need to rest in a way that's going to make me better for his kingdom, better for him, better for his people. And the whole time we have to lead our lives so well to make sure that we don't just end up walking backwards and sitting down and being very happy Christians that are lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, and that can carry on. That is what we'll slide back into if we don't fight. If we don't fight, if we don't keep saying, Lord, shape me, change me into a vessel for your glory. So again, I want to say, if you, I would love to call for a response, for you to decide again. Don't decide today, do you want to still be a Christian? Decide if you truly want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to follow him, if you want to be a vessel for his glory. Because I think we would like to make some categories and like make a way for us to live a half measure, to say, well, that is a too much Christian, that's a radical Christian. That is like a spiritual Christian. I'm like, you know, I like balance in my life. I'm this kind of Christian. I, I, I don't see anything except a people that's wholly devoted, completely surrendered, and ready to go through the fire, and ready to be used in whichever way he likes. No retirement. None of us are old enough to say that we're no longer available for his work. Thank you, Jesus, the, the elderly amongst us are an example to that. None of us have children that's 
too demanding so that we can actually take time out and, and just say, well, uh, for this season, we're not, you know, going to be actually, our devotion is purely on our children. Like these excuses to be made in every season. Don't push away the potter's hand. So you want to 